Welcome to the Small Business Surgeon Podcast, the show where we dissect the businesses of top producers, examine their growth strategies, and share with you the bare bones of their success. I am your host, Samuel Smith, and I'm glad you're here. Let's operate. Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to this week's episode of the Small Business Surgeon Podcast. And guys, today in the studio, I've got a special treat. He is a real estate investor, the owner of WeBuySadHouses.com, and the host of the One Day at a Time podcast. Please welcome to the show, Kai Logue. Hey, Sam. Thanks so much for having me on the podcast, man. I'm really excited to be here. Dude, thank you for being here, man. Uh, you've got uh, quite the story as an entrepreneur, but right now you're a real estate investor and uh, you own WeBuySadHouses.com. Can you tell me a little bit about that and what you currently do? Yeah, so basically what we do, so we do real estate wholesaling, um, which I know a lot of people aren't familiar with, but that is basically getting a contract uh, and then we basically sell the contract to another investor. Um, that's one of the main focuses. And we also do fix and flips here in San Antonio, uh, Central Texas. And I have a business partner up in um, like, New, like New England, like uh, New Hampshire, Maine. Um, mm-hmm. We do some up there as well. So your main business is, is wholesaling real estate? It is, yeah. Now, for, for those people that have only been exposed to real estate through like a, a realtor, for example, just mm-hmm. give us a quick overview of what wholesaling real estate is. Yeah, so basically what I'm doing, so I'm looking for off-market deals. So most people, what they do is they, they buy it off the MLS, like, you know, on Zillow or, mm-hmm. you know, just any of the other sites. They'll, they'll see them listed on there. Right. Um, so I'm basically, I'm contacting people. Normally, they're distressed. So they'll be, you know, either the property itself is distressed, like it needs a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it needs upkeep. Maybe it's run down or it was inherited. Um, there's really a variety of different reasons the property itself could be distressed or even the homeowner themselves. Maybe you're having financial difficulty. There's a divorce or... Um, you know, probate or they're facing foreclosure. Right. Um, so what we're able to do is we basically buy the houses, same as cash. Um, so I have a network of investors I work with and they're able to come in, buy the house for cash, close usually with less than two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that's able to solve a lot of problems for them. And you know, especially if, you know, they're in danger of losing their house or, or right, something like right. that. Um, we're able to kind of, you know, serve that niche. Okay. So but how do you get into that line of work? That seems a little bit like, you know, nobody knows about it. How did you find out about wholesaling real estate? Yeah, so really, I always wanted to get into real estate. Um, I've been doing, doing an entrepreneur thing for about seven years, but I kind of always had a lot of misconceptions that, you know, like most people say, you know, you need, you know, perfect credit. You need a lot of cash in the bank. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you need to know how to fix everything. You know, you need to you know, basically be a handyman or a contractor. Um, and there's, you know, so many headaches that go with it. Um, but I listened to a lot of podcasts because, you know, the first wealthy person I ever met was in real estate. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just like, hey, you know, and he, when I met him, he told me, hey, I barely passed high school, too. And you know, I struggled a lot. And uh, I'm like, wow, I never knew that was possible. I was like, you had to go to college or, you know, basically the, you know, the same path that most people preach and talk about when you're growing up. Um, but so I was always kind of intrigued about that. So I listened mm-hmm. to a lot of podcasts, you know, listened to the Bigger Pockets podcast and I read yeah. a lot of like any books that I could get. Um, and then I stumbled across wholesaling, you know, it's real quick in, in one of the books I grabbed. Um, it said, you know, the book was called, it was from the Bigger Pockets, one of the hosts, mm-hmm. uh, Brandon Turner, and it's um, how to invest in real estate with low or no money down. And I'm like, oh, that's intriguing. You know, it's a great title. Right. And then, yeah. like, there was a very small blurb, a small little chapter about wholesaling. It didn't really go into it. Um, but I, I read that. And I'm like, oh, what is this? And then, you know, really dove into YouTube, dove into more podcasts and, you know, found out about it. I'm like, hey, it's basically... You're just doing sales and marketing, and then you're, you're creating these opportunities and you're selling them to other investors. Mm-hmm. So once I found that, I go like, oh, game on. You know, I've been doing sales and marketing my whole life, so you know, I just dove right in. 
Right. And so do you do you fix the houses yourself and flip them as well? I do. Yes, I do do the fix and flips here, uh, more locally here in San Antonio. Um, but it's it's it can be a lot. It's a lot of headaches, and you know, definitely the, you make a lot more money, but it's a lot more work too. So it's a bit of a trade off. But yeah, we do both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So is there um, what initially would you say attracted you to real estate? Um, I think really just meeting that first person. You know, growing up, I grew up you know pretty poor. Um, you know, we didn't have any money. You know, I struggled. You know. Um, and you know, kind of struggled a lot growing up. And you know, that first wealthy person I met that told me, "Hey, you didn't have to go to college," you know, and he was able to you know make money in real estate. And that you know, basically, it's you know, maybe he didn't tell me how he did it or anything, but I just kind of just put that little idea in my head. And then ever since then, I'm just you know, always just in the back of my mind, "Hey, one day I want to learn real estate." And you know, just it seems cool, you know, you own a tangible asset. And it's uh, yeah, just something about it just always kind of stuck with me, and just always wanted to get into it. Yeah, that, dude, that's really cool that you've been able to like go through those steps and now finally got to a business just wholesaling uh, contracts like that. What what steps would you give to somebody that's like interested maybe in looking at this as a career? Yeah, so I think really YouTube is a lot of great um, information out there. There's oh, a lot it's of wonderful, great isn't it? Like YouTube. Yeah, you can learn yeah. anything on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm actually, I, I put a course together about a year ago. I'm releasing it completely free for people who want to get started. Uh, because there's a lot of you know information, some good, some bad. So I'm really just kind of documented my um, how I started and all the stuff I did. Um, so right on my YouTube channel, I'm still in the process of putting them all out there. But I got about maybe like 30% of the videos on there. But mm-hmm. but yeah, really, there's a bunch of other ones. There's um, a guy called Flip with Rick. Um, it's called his dad and his son, and they they've been wholesaling forever. The kid's been doing it since he was like 15 or something crazy. Um, but yeah, it's really just YouTube or, or you know videos, podcasts, and really just how I remember, man. Just the information's out there. Yeah, I mean, there's there's really no excuses for not learning anything like this, man. There's there's so many resources out there online. I uh, shit, I think I I must have graduated YouTube University several times by now. Right. <laughs> How yeah. to do a podcast? Right? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, tell me if you would, man. Talk me through how you find these deals because you know, I can get on Zillow. Um, and and what passed there? Because like, how do you find houses that are on the market? That's got to yes, be a skill set, right? Yes, yeah, so that's a great question. So it really, just kind of all boils down to marketing. Um, and then my background, I've had a you know um, a marketing agency in the past, and you know, I've always been interested in marketing when I first started because I was great at sales, but didn't know how to get leads. So you know, you can be the best salesman if you don't have leads coming in. You know, you're, you're not going to do that well. Um, but yeah, so really, just the the things that are working the best for me. So we we pull a lot of lists. So we can, there's different websites, there's websites, uh, one's called propstream.com that I use. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can put different filters in there and you can play with those and try to find people that are probably more likely to sell or, um, you know, they might have some reason that the property is distressed, like it's vacant or they inherited it or, you know, it's in pre-foreclosure, um, which is basically they're getting all the letters right before it's getting foreclosed on. Right. Um, but another thing, um, that's a great one. But the issue with that is, that depending on your market, it's real competitive. There's a lot of other wholesalers. You know, that's the easiest one to do. So it's a lot of people are getting those lists. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing we do is that we, um, we we can get lists from the county. Right. So if you just pull up your county, you know, wherever you are, you can usually find um, the tax code violations. You can find. Uh, the probate ones, which are when people, you know, um, got the property and inheritance because their parents uh, passed away and their, their will wasn't properly set up. Right. Um, and you can find those foreclosures. Um, so those are all you know, easy lists to pull. And then I have a CRM um, set up that basically it does all automations like text and voicemail automations. Mm-hmm. And then um, as soon as someone puts their hand up and says, hey, yeah, we, you know, we actually might be willing to sell. 
then I just hop on a phone call and just take them through my sales process. Man, that sounds pretty sweet, man. Um, what does your sales process involve? Um, so really just a lot of discovery questions. So really just kind of discover, hey, why do you want to sell? You know, what, what's up with the house? Um, really just trying to find out how much work it needs and the numbers and, you know, what's their next move like? Um, you know, what, how much do they need to kind of get out? Because there's a lot of cool things you can do in real estate. There's like creative financing. You can take over people's loans. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, really just trying to find out what, what do they need? What do they want? And then what's a win-win for both of us? That's the, the real critical part of deal making is getting to the nuts and bolts of that problem. And uh, man, if you if you can solve that problem with a little bit of money, and they can uh, they can get you a house, that seems like a good deal all around. Right, hundred percent. Yeah, and really, that's the thing. I always try to make sure we're taking care of them, and you know, what's what's the best scenario for them? Because um, there's a lot of emotions involved, obviously, with the house, um, especially if they've lived there. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes it's not if they inherited it, but yeah, really, just trying to find the best case scenario for everyone. So, what's the best way for somebody to fund a deal like this? So actually with wholesaling, you don't need any money. So you just need basically marketing dollars mm-hmm. um, is really your bas- biggest expense. And then, you know, sell, uh, setting up your LLC, you know, do everything properly that way. Um, but really all you have to do is put earnest money down. Mm-hmm. Um, I only put $10 earnest money down. A lot of people put a, a heck of a lot more. Um, but I was talking to someone in Apex and they're like, hey, you know, I, you know, I heard this guy on YouTube say you only have to put $10 down. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay. And I'm like, you know, I was putting 100 before. But I'm like, hey, let's try 10 um, so yeah, I just put ten dollars down earnest money, um, and then the buyer is usually going to put a bigger earnest money deposit down as well. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, and then um, for fix and flips, you know, obviously you need more money. So I, I have partners that I work with, and we also get hard money loans, mm-hmm. um, which are basically it's almost the same as cash. It usually takes them about two weeks to fund, um, but the terms are you know not as good. But you can refinance out of them. But yeah, basically it's you know the more experienced investor you are the better terms and the better rates they're going to give you. So once I started to do a, a few deals, um, you know, I was able to get you know better rates and you know, be able to get better numbers on the money. Dude, tell me about a nightmare project you've had. I've asked you enough business questions. I want, no, I want to get into the fun stuff. Tell, <laughs> tell me about a nightmare. You ever get stuck in one? Yeah, the last flip, man. That's kind of why I've been focusing more on wholesaling. So we bought it. Uh, the market shifted. Um, and then it ended up being a heck of a lot of more work than we expected. So we ran all the numbers, we did everything. Um, and a big lesson I learned, um, which I guess is, is something a lot of people preach is that make sure you put like a camera, like a scope down all of the pipes and for the plumbing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we didn't do that. And then ended up, we had to replace all of the plumbing and, you know, we hired the wrong contractors, really just one headache after another. Um, and we ended up, you know, we're, we're way higher, you know, than we wanted to be, but the deal still should have made sense. You know, we we're still pretty good because we got a good price on it. Because mm-hmm. uh, the guy had to close in like five days, so we really had to move some stuff around to make that happen. Um, and we didn't really do all of our due diligence because of that too. Yeah, which, you know, looking back, yeah. we definitely should have. But yeah, that one just been a nightmare because with a hard money loan, you're paying interest only payments, so you just have to keep paying on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but now we finally started getting offers on it again, so we're thinking, you know, we're probably gonna lose a little bit of money on this, or best case scenario, maybe break even. Uh, but it was just, you know, that's not the end of the world, obviously, because we've done real well on some of the other ones. But just yeah. really, just all yeah. the time and the energy and you know, just the, all the resources it takes to, you know, to do the flips and manage the contractors was really just kind of made it a nightmare. What What did you learn? Um, really just, yeah, do your due diligence, you know, put a camera down, uh, scope everything, put a camera mm-hmm. down all the pipes, you know, make sure you, you, know, you check everything and, you know, really just prepare for the worst case scenario. Yeah. Um, we're, we were also thinking maybe we could have done Airbnb for it because it would mm-hmm. have worked for a short-term play, but that the town is a very small town inside of San Antonio. They don't allow you to do short-term rentals anymore, so that's something oh, else we man. should have checked. Yeah. So it's really just due diligence. You know, make yeah. sure you check everything. Move a little too quick, huh? Mm-hmm. Man, 
The first time I lost money on a real estate deal, I was 25 and I lost 14 grand. I got turned mm. upside down on a flip. And uh, it was, again, it was a due diligence issue. And I was in a rush to get it done. Right. And uh, I missed something structural. And at mm. the time, at the time, 14 grand was a lot of money. It was all I had. Um, right. But you bet I never missed anything structural again. Right. No, that's it, man. Expensive <laughs> lesson. Yeah. That, that's the way we learn as uh, as investors, you know. I've, I've been I've been trying to ask you questions like I don't know about real estate investing, yeah. so you can explain to the audience. But um, dude, I I cut my teeth in the industry. The I, the only reason I don't do it right now is is having time to do what you do and run mm -hmm. around and, and find houses and analyze deals and put them together. I just I I moved on from that and I I do miss it, man. I love real estate. <laughs> yeah, same here, man. That's a great industry. Yeah, tell me about the. Uh, Tell me about the best one you've ever done. How did that feel? So the best one we ever did, it was really, so it was basically the second deal I ever did. Um, so it took me about two months, about 60 days to get my first one. And then I'm pounding the pavement, pounding the pavement. And I wasn't completely full-time because I still had my other business I was working on at the time. Um, but, you know, I'm just pounding the pavement, nothing's happening, nothing's happening. And we keep going. And then I sent, uh, we got responses off two mailers that I sent. Um, after, after how long? Uh, about 60 days. All right, pay attention, you lot listening. 60 days he pounded the streets not one day not six days not two weeks 60 fucking days bravo by the way for not quitting sorry Thanks, to, man. Sorry to no, interrupt. You're good. no that's a great <laughs> point yeah i talked to a lot of people they're like hey i did it for a day you know, did it for a week you, you, yeah. you go put out bandit signs one time like you know no you've got to be known you've got to be seen you've got to put in the footwork to get these deals mm -hmm. yeah. uh, amen 100 mm -hmm. but yeah that first one i did um you know, we, I didn't make any money off it. So it was a wholesale deal. And then the guy ended up owing more money. There's a lien on the house we didn't know about. Um, so I ended up coming out of my assignment fee and the buyer came out of um, out of pocket too. And then I think I made a thousand bucks off the deal. Yeah. Oh, after all that work, like, come on. So that, then, did you learn a check for liens? Uh, yeah, for sure. We were on a check for liens. <laughs> actually, the numbers were just a little tight on that one. But then literally yeah. right, right after that, um, you know, it was, I think a week later, not even, um, you know, another person gave me a call off one of the, um, the postcards I sent in the mail and then we did that one and yeah, I met with her and you know, the house was nice. And the weird thing about it was, you know, we bought a house to turn into a rental in San Antonio. Mm -hmm. And then one of the houses on our list and it was my wife's favorite house, um, was this house. And it's kind of goofy looking. And it's the reason we, we remembered it, but it was a big house. It had orange, it was orange, it was like bright orange trim. Um, so it was very memorable. And then I don't even know why I sent it to her because she bought it so recently. So she shouldn't have been on my list. But mm -hmm. for some reason we did, um, probably because we were driving around for dollars, which is you know, basically you're driving and then you're, you're writing down house that you know look like you want to put an offer on. Yeah. But I think we wrote it down just to check on it because that's one of the ones we wanted to buy for a personal residence. We're going to turn it into a rental. Um, but we sent a mailer to her and she called me and I went to the house and I go, oh, that was the house we're visualizing getting. And you know, it's so weird how it worked out. Yeah. Um, but she told me, Hey, you know, her, her son moved out. He didn't want to live there. She bought it for her, her and her son. And it was just way too big for her. And she just couldn't upkeep with it. And you could see the house wasn't really being kept up with. And it was just way too big for her because she, she was an older lady. Um, and then, you know, it's basically, Hey, what, what do you want? And then you know, she gave me the number and I'm like, you know, you sure that's all you want? Cause my, my wife's a realtor. We can list it for you as well. If you know, you're willing to wait and you can definitely get more for it. Cause, uh, you probably get more free pay because the, the market was so hot then. Mm -hmm. And then she's like, no, I just want cash. I just want to be out now. And I'm like, okay. Um, so I gave her the number we wanted. Um, and I actually, what we did was um, I was going to wholesale it. And I'm like, oh, you know, if I could just close on this and do the flip myself, it really, it needs nothing, uh, which I found out now is called wholetailing. 
uh, basically you buy the house, you sell it on the MLS. Um, so I'm like, oh, is there a way to do this? I'm like, oh, I don't have enough money to do it. I don't have the experience to get the loan. Um, you know, I don't, you know, I don't have really all the things I thought I needed at the time to do it. Right. Um, and I just kept telling myself why I couldn't do it. And then, so I was trying to find, I found a bunch of buyers cause it was a home run deal. And, but I kept thinking to myself, Hey, how can I, what, what if I could do this to myself? How can I do this myself? And I went on a site open door, um, one of the big eye buyers mm-hmm. and I saw they were willing to pay, you know, way above, you know, what we had it for. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, if I could even just buy it and sell it to them somehow, you yeah, know, that would be great. And then I'm like, you know, I changed the question I was asking myself to, you know, how could I make this happen? Mm-hmm. You know, not that I can't, but how could I? And then I reached out to a friend uh, from New England because we used to. I'm originally from from that area, uh-huh. and I, I knew he was a realtor, but I didn't. I, I knew he did a little bit of investing, but not much. But I'm like, hey, do you have any tips for, uh, you know, reaching out, and connecting with investors? I have this great deal. I'm trying to find someone to, to partner uh, with, and he goes, oh, me. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool, man. So I sent it to him and you know, we ended up partnering. Um, we were friends, we went to church together and you know, he's a great guy. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, we ended up doing the deal. We, we sold it to Open Door. Uh, we didn't even have to fa- make our first payment on the hard money loan. Oh, wow. Um, then, yeah, we made um, we made good money. Yeah, I think I made over 60K off that deal. And it was literally no work. I paid a kid a hundred bucks to clean it up and then cut the yard and and then that, it was good to go. So and yeah, that's, that, that that's first a good day. Was the best. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good day. Probably, uh, probably helped motivate you to go knock on doors a little bit more, huh? Yeah, for sure. Because that first one is like kind of like you know demotivating, and then having that one right there, like okay, it's just right around the corner. So now you're uh, you're running an online lead campaign. You use a CRM, some lead gen stuff. Uh, talk us through how that works. Yeah, so I actually have my own uh, CRM built out. Really, to, I made it for myself and all the things I've done because I've been in sales since I was eighteen, and yeah, I've used. You know, pretty much all the big CRMs, you Salesforce, um, but really anyone you can think of. Um, you know, I probably I probably used it. Um, so I ended up building my own off a of go high level, mm-hmm. and then I kept asking people, "Hey, how are you getting deals?" Um, and I'm like, "Oh, I'm using the CRM I built for myself." I'm like, "Oh, can I try it?" I said, "Sure," and just you know, do, I was able to duplicate it for him. Um, and then I'm like, I ended up turning that into a business too. Um, so it's REI bot. Um, but yeah, so basically what I'm doing, so I'm pulling those lists, and I'm getting people to reach out to me online. Um, and then I just pull them in. It's just all automation campaigns. So basically on day one, um, it'll send a text and it'll mm-hmm. say, hey, um, and I do kind of like the the Chris Voss method. The um, He's the FBI interrogator. He has a great book called Never Split the Difference. Yeah, it's a great book. Um, but he talks about kind of just doing like the negative. Like, hey, you, you probably don't want to sell your house anytime soon. That's kind of how <laughs> I, I took that out. And they're like, you know, people love to disagree with you. They're like, no, I do want to sell. And I'm like, oh, okay, great. And the funny thing is, I didn't think that would work reading it. I'm like, ah, it's not gonna work, but I'll try it. And uh, you know, it worked really well. So I'll do that for the first text. Then five minutes later, I send like a voicemail recording to them, mm-hmm. uh, basically saying the same thing. Like, hey, I just sent you a message. Just wanna make sure you got it. Any interest in selling your house, give me a call. Um, and then automatically the next day, um, it'll do the same thing. It'll do another text and a voicemail. Um, and then it waits about three more days and we'll send one final one saying, hey, just wanted to reach out to you again, you know, see if you have any interest. Um, and it started working a lot better because before I was just hitting everybody one time. Right. And right. then I'd get, I'd get some responses, but not great. But once I started to do that automation campaign where it's you know, basically the computer's just doing it for me, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, it, it started to skyrocket. No, that's a, that's a game changer, dude. I was, I was fortunate enough to interview Sean Clark from uh, high level CRM oh, nice. a, a, 
maybe a month or so ago on the show. So it was, uh, yeah, it really opened my eyes to the power of that software. It's really, yeah, it's a great, it's platform. quite remarkable. I've, uh, I've implemented it across our systems. It was, it was mm. really impressive. So yeah, it's a game changer. When I first tried it, I was, uh, I'm like, yeah, I don't know. It seems a little complicated and it, like, you know, wasn't <laughs> doing what I wanted to do. And then, but I kept hearing everybody in apex and in other places swear by it. I'm like, oh, I'm going to give it another try. And yeah, once I figured it out and learned how to implement it for my business, it was, it was definitely a game changer. Well, I, I'm familiar with online CRMs. I've, I've run a few of them. And um, this one was just, it seemed native. It's like it was built off of the backs of everything else. It, everything just seemed in the mm -hmm. right place. So uh, uh, it was a no-brainer decision for me. And this it's replaced all these softwares that I had. So, yeah. Yeah, and 100%. Not, this is, you know, of all the ones I was paying for, so I had one here and there. Mm -hmm. and yeah, it's, it's I'm great. not trying to turn it into a commercial for Go High Level, but right. if, you don't, if you don't have a CRM, you should probably take a look at it. Anyway, um, right. What's next? I want to know about what's coming up for Kai in the future. Um, all things Kai and as well as your podcast as well. I want to talk a little bit about that. So uh, yeah. tell me what's coming up in the future. Yeah, so really just more of the same. Really just trying to scale what I'm doing and just trying to be consistent and sticking with the one thing. Um, you know, really when I first started as an entrepreneur, you get shiny object syndrome and some I've always struggled with. So I'd, you know, hop onto this and hop onto that and I'd make some progress and get bored. And so I really love starting things and you know, I'm definitely a visionary if anyone's read EOS. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's, so that's something I have to actively manage and, you know, really just focus on what I'm doing. Um, but really just anything that kind of ties into what I'm already doing. So really the big goal for me next year is I want to start running my own events. I want to start doing speaking. It's always been a goal of mine. Um, and I got to speak for the first time this year, which was real cool, but I'm like, Oh, I want to do my own events and really teach people how to start wholesaling. Cause I think it's probably one of the best ways for someone to start out as an entrepreneur. Cause you don't need a lot of money. Um, the margins are great and you know, it's really, it's a win-win because you're, you're providing a great benefit for the, the sellers and you know, you're providing a benefit for the, the investors and you know, really you're improving the community because those investors are fixing up the house and, and you know, making it look nicer. Um, and I really think that's one of the, the best ways for someone to start as an, an entrepreneurship. And I'm really right. passionate about helping people get into entrepreneurship because I mean, it changed my life. I mean, I know if it changed mine, it can, it can change anyone's. No doubt. No doubt. So is there a course or anything on the horizon then? Um, just free stuff. I'm giving all that for free. Um, yeah, maybe one day I would put some more advanced together. But yeah, I really miss putting, I put some course together and decided to give that for free to help people get started. Because I, I remember starting and not having any money to invest and, mm -hmm. you know, really barely have enough money to get the LLC and, you know, not knowing how I'm going to pay my bills. So yeah, really just trying to lead with value. Yeah, yeah. Well, no doubt. So tell me about the decision to start your podcast. The, uh, was it One Day at a Time podcast? Yes. Yeah. So it's a One Day at a Time podcast. Um, so it's something kind of that's been in the back of my mind for a while. I really struggled with coming up with the name. Um, I've done a lot of self-growth since I've joined Apex and I kind of looked internally. Um, and One Day at a Time is a special meaning to me um, because when I was when I grew up, I, I didn't really come up easily. You know, I didn't, didn't have the hardest life, but I struggled a lot. You know, I, was in, I grew up and I was in group homes. Um, I was abandoned by both my parents and oh, kicked man. out all the time. Uh, group homes. I was in a, like a children's mental hospital. Um, that was wild. I was in um, like juvie. Uh, I was homeless. You know, I literally had to steal food to eat. And not, you know, so I struggled for a while as a kid. And that was all before the age of 18. And um, yeah, so, you know, when um, I was always, you know, dealt, struggled with depression and anxiety because of that. And then, you know, I tried to kill myself one time. And, you know, luckily the gun jammed. Damn. And I made, um, I was so frustrated. I, they, I, I put it in there the bullet literally got caught in the chamber it was a it was a real cheap gun uh, it was like a, a high point gun so it was uh, like the cheapest gun you could get so luckily that's probably why the reason it jammed but you know i felt you know maybe you know it was maybe it's god it was something but uh 
that made me, um, you know, I got frustrated because I couldn't fish it out. I was trying to fish the bullet out. I couldn't do that. And, you know, I like, ended up taking me long enough to do it. You know, I gained, calmed down a bit and ended up going for a walk. And uh, on that walk, I was getting ready to go do it again. And uh, I made one last call uh, to my grandmother, um, who I was been close with. We weren't super close, um, but, you know, we always had a relationship when I was younger. But, uh, you know, I just called her and, you know, something told me to call her as a voice in my head. And I called her and I'm so, so grateful she answered. Uh, but on that call, you know, she said something I'll never forget. She said, you know, uh, Kyle, all you can do is take things one day at a time. You know, because I was telling her, hey, I'm stressed about this, I'm stressed about that. And, you know, she, had, she didn't know what was going on. She didn't know, but I just tried to kill myself or anything else. But, you know, I think she'd probably hear from my voice, you know, it wasn't, wasn't there. And, um, but yeah, she said that to me and it stuck with me ever since. And I've heard that before then. It's always a saying she would say. And, um, but that time it really stuck with me. And, you know, I thought about, you know, what if I can just make it through today? Uh, what if I can just, you know, just focus on today and just make it through today? And yeah, I, I did, you know, I made it through that day, I made it through that day. And honestly, you know, it wasn't, you know, magically better right then. It took a lot of work every day, doing the work and working yeah. on myself, yeah. and, you know, finding self-development and, you know, finding everything else. But it's, it's been a process and you know, I never knew, you know, I kind of had a long-term vision. I always wanted to be successful. I always wanted to be wealthy. I wanted to you know, be able to help people, you know, even though I, I didn't know anybody like that. Um, but when I just started to focus things, you know, one day at a time, you know, even when I couldn't see a way out of the, you know, the hole I was in, you know, being homeless and, you know, having nowhere to go, it, you know, it, it was a game changer and really helped me change my life. Um, so that was, that's really the, the meaning behind the podcast. That's kind of the mission is kind of help people that are struggling, you know, help people either get started in entrepreneurship. Um, and I, you know, I really share lessons I've learned along the way. And I, you know, I bring a lot of entrepreneurs and my friends on um, who, who struggled and kind of have them share their stories to, right. you know, kind of realize, you know, you know, your situation is not unique. You know, as Ryan Suman talks about a lot, you know, your situation is not as unique as he thinks it is. Um, yeah, as, as people for think sure. It is. Mm-hmm. But that, that's really the main thing is trying to help people and, you know, it's more mindset and, but it's also business entrepreneurship, but really just trying to help people who are at that spot that I was in, you know, I didn't have anything like that to listen to and, you know, hopefully help them know that there, there's other ways and there's options. You can dig yourself out of any hole if you're willing to do the work and take it one day at a time. For sure. For sure. What's your most profound lesson that you've pulled from having a podcast? Um, really just, uh, just hearing different people's stories. Um, I think really just, just listening to people's stories and just hearing they come up from and just, you know, all the things they've overcome. Um, and just, again, just kind of going back to that, that there's, you know, situations not unique and, you know, just saying people you think, oh, you know, this person didn't struggle, you know, they, you know, everyone struggles in their own way. Uh, one of my favorite ones is, uh, Zach Williams was on and he, he said something that stuck with me that was, um, you can't compare, you know, I forget exactly the words he used, but basically it came down to, you can't compare you know, your struggle versus someone else's struggle. So, you know, even though, you know, you were all the way down there and, you know, they were middle class or whatever and something happened, um, you know, the worst thing that ever happened to you, you know, is still the same as the worst thing that ever happened to them. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, that's, it's, you know, still the worst thing that ever happened to them. You know, that, that, that kind of opened my eyes a lot and just realized, you know, it's, uh, you know, you can't really compare your struggle and just, just be, uh, you know, have empathy for people. Yeah. Yeah. Learning empathy. Uh... It sometimes takes getting kicked in the balls a few times to learn to be empathetic, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. Tell me about what it was like coming back up from rock bottom. What were some of the things you did to make sure you kept moving forward? Yeah, really. So it was, uh, it was really just, just again focusing on on one day at a time. Just how am I going to get through this day? Kind of making sure I had a clear vision of where I wanted to be. And a lot of times it wouldn't work out how I wanted to. Um, so when I was there, that my lowest point, my plan was to join the military. Um, okay, you know, I can get, you know, I had a tangible goal. I want to join the military and, you know, I don't care what branch, I just want to get in there. It gives me an escape. It gives me a place to live. It gives me food. Um, 
you know, just I always have a lot of respect for military and thought this would be a great opportunity. Um, so that was my goal. So I literally cleaned up. I ended up going back to high school. I, I dropped out of high school at the time. I passed high school. Um, I ended up you know, getting all my stuff together and you know, making sure I was, was, wasn't getting in trouble. And uh, yeah, that was the goal. And then it didn't it didn't actually work out that way um, because, you know, I had a record and I couldn't get into the military because I had a criminal oh, wow. record. So and then just learning to pivot was a big one because I'm like, oh, that was my goal. And it's being so frustrated. Um, but luckily, along that time, I met my now wife and uh, I wasn't doing great then. I found I could join the military and, you know, I was, I was selling drugs and uh, selling cocaine and, you know, doing whatever I had to do to you know, basically make money. So that's the right. only people I hung out with. You know, that's the only people I saw were successful. Uh, so, yeah, but luckily I met her and then, you know, my whole life changed. We had an incident where one of my, my business partners at the time, I don't know if call them business partners, but another business partner in, in the drug dealing uh, world was, uh, he got busted and uh, he actually broke out of the police car. And so everyone was looking for him. So they came knocking at her house because I was living at her mom's house at the time. And I had a lot of stuff like in the safe that I shouldn't have had. I had a lot of drugs and, and guns I shouldn't have had. And um, it was a wake-up call. I'm like, yeah, what kind of asshole am I to you know, put these people in this spot? Luckily, they, you know, they didn't have a warrant. They didn't search anything. But the FBI was there knocking the door looking for this kid. And then you know, I realized, hey, I can't keep doing this. i got to find another way to be successful. Um, yeah, that's what you call a near miss right there, pal. Yeah, yeah. It was, <laughs> it was like, fuck, man. It was definitely a wake-up call. And uh, so then, luckily, you know, some, it's just kind of these random moments. It's always just been random moments and pivots that have happened. That you know, I don't know if they're um, – see, that I think they're from God. Uh, or the universe, whatever you want to call it, but um, just just little pivot points along the path, and just be willing to pivot. But a buddy showed up one time um, that I used to be friends with, and he goes, "Hey, I got this uh, this job, man. I think you'd be great at. It's uh, it's in a call center." And I'm like, "Oh, what's a call center?" And he's like, "Oh, well, you know that movie Boiler Room?" And I'm mm -hmm. like, "Yeah, well, that's one of my favorite movies, you know." And he's like, "Oh, yeah, you got to. Uh, it's exactly that." And I'm like, "What?" And what? Uh, so <laughs> I'm like, "That can't be real." And then uh, so we went up there. It was uh, yeah, we ended up. Uh, he ended up getting a job at that place. He got discovered sales, and you know that was really the main point that that changed my life. So yeah, you got you got a regular job. What what was it you started out selling at the phone center? I remember back in the day, um, I worked at one for about two hours in my very early twenties. Uh, mm. They were they were trying to get me to sell newspaper subscriptions. Oh, what yeah. was it, what was it they had you trying to sell? So it was off, man. It's a super funny story with that too. So um, that kid comes over, he brings me the script. And uh, so we have the script and it's, uh, he's like, read this piece of paper and I'm awful. I'm reading the script. It sounds awful. It just sounds like I'm reading or like a robot. And he goes, oh, this sucks. And he brought like a 30 rack of, uh, of Pabst Blue Ribbons. Um, it's like one of the cheapest beers you can get. So we're drinking that. We're smoking weed all night and we're, we're going through and we're just reading the script. And towards the end of the night, I think we get two, three in the morning, I, uh, um, I finally got it down and like clicked and saw the click. He's like, Oh, it's great. You got it. And then, um, so we he ends up, so I ended up going up there. I had a suit on, um, my, my now wife worked at Calvin Klein. I had, it was like one nice suit I had. So I go up there, I go to the super sketchy call center, uh, up in Portland, Maine. And it's like this little like warehouse and like dingy. It's like in the back of like a, like a warehouse where they do shipping on the other side. Could, could they still smoke inside? Um, I don't think they would. Oh, so they, they could, would, they could when I worked there, it was awful. <laughs> So they were all smoking uh, e-cigarettes. Oh, that's what we were I remember those. Yeah, we were actually selling e-cigarettes over the phone, oh, and wow. people were calling in from the radio. So everyone's like, all these like e-cigarette smokes, and they were nasty. Um, they weren't like vapes like now. It was like before vapes were a thing. But uh, yeah, we were selling e-cigarettes, and uh, yeah, we were selling um, we were selling mag. There was and there was upsell, so they'd get the e-cigarette, and then you have to sell them on the magazine subscription. And then you'd have to upsell them on um, a whole bunch of other stuff. I don't remember all of them. And there were different campaigns. So one of them were uh, were like uh, dick pills. So like, you know, like people like, uh, I don't know if 
small dicks or you know extra um, ed or something but yeah we're selling Bro, those if dick <laughs> pills worked right we'd all be walking around with wheelbarrows in front of us just pushing Bro. our penises along in front 100%. of us as we went. like i certainly would right <laughs> yeah so yeah i don't think any of this stuff worked but no but no, yeah it's super all... sketchy call center but yeah it was uh but it opened my, uh, my eyes to sales and then from there you know it was a pivot point i got I started selling cars and you know kind of like kept oh how was that uh, it was cool, man. It was it was a great learning experience. Um, yeah, I was getting this like shady car dealership, and you know, just they did like a lot of like sketchy stuff. They'd like put um, like um, like shoe cleaner. What was it like the black like the black shoe polish? They put it on like the leather and stuff, and like they're telling you when the price is. And it was it was like a stereotypical used car dealership. But um, I mean, it was a learning experience. You know, it was like crazy hours and it was a nightmare. But kind of always, you know, I'm luckily I'm I'm grateful for all those opportunities and the bad sales jobs that I had, bad managers, because I probably never would have worked for myself if I didn't have all those, um, you know, bad situations. Yeah, you can uh, you can learn some stuff selling cars. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so but what yeah, did you do after uh, you sold cars, man? What did you do? After you graduated from that? Yes, I sold cars for a while, um, a couple of different dealerships, bounced around, and then um, I just got burned out. I'm like, hey, man, I just, maybe I just don't like sales. So I ended up going to an insurance company um, and worked in customer service. I'm like, I just want to break from sales. I just want a salary job. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I really just, and I just settled. You know, I made, um, I wasn't making a lot of money. I was making maybe like 20, like 17, 18 bucks an hour. Right. And I could get some overtime. But to me, like how I grew up, I'm like, oh, this is great. I haven't made, you know, yeah. I go to college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't imagine life getting better than this, so I'm just gonna settle. And I remember telling my, my wife Bree that we weren't married at the time, but I remember telling her like, "Oh, I'm good. I'm just staying here. I'm gonna move up in the company, and you know, I got benefits, and you know, mm-hmm. it's gonna be great." And she's like, "Looking at me like crazy, like, what are you talking about?" And I still like <laughs> remember that conversation. Like, that's like not who you are. Like, what are you talking about? Right. And I'm like, no, this is it. This is what you're supposed to do in life, you know. And uh, I remember that being, and I was I was miserable, but I kept showing up, and I just, um, and you know, just politics and all this stuff. I just wasn't good at. And then I just got super burned out and I was, I was super heavy. I was like, I think I was 60 pounds heavier than I am now. Oh, wow. I was like pushing 240 and I just was miserable and happy. And I ended up getting fired because I was a shit employee. Cause I, I remember I tried to apply for a sales position there. I'm like, I want to get back in sales. I miss sales. And then they didn't give it to me because um, I didn't play politics. And then I lost to someone else who had no sales experience. And like all I had was sales experience before that job. And I remember just being like, ah, oh, screw this job. And then like, stop trying and stop, you know, working hard. Yeah. And I, I rightfully got fired, you know, because I wasn't, I was a shit employee. And I remember being so frustrated at the time, like, oh, I fucked up this one opportunity in my life. Um, you know, I'm like, damn, you know, I remember being so frustrated about it. And then I being, and I made a decision to say, hey, I'm never going to work for someone else again. And I don't know why, and everybody thought I was crazy, but I'm like, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to figure out how to be an entrepreneur. I'm never going to, you know, work for someone else again. And, you know, I don't know. Yes, I made me. I made that pivot and heard a voice in my head to do that, and then I've been following it ever since. That was like seven years ago. It's a pretty good feeling, though, huh? Yeah, man, it's great, man. It's, uh, it's, it's ups and downs for sure. It's a roller coaster, but I, mean, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Yeah, yeah. You have mentors then in business that help you through. Uh, not like formally. Like I don't have any like, paid mentors or anything like that. But I learned from a lot of people. Um, you know, a bunch of people in Apex. You know, um, Ryan Sue, I learned a lot from um, Ed Milet. You know, I've learned a lot from. Uh, I was an RK before too, um, but yeah, really just um, nothing like formally. But there's always like people, especially like being in the network that we're in, and you know, right, people, right. There's people I can reach out to for help, and I think that's super important. Absolutely, yeah. Having a network really uh, it really helps putting stuff together, such as podcasts, for example, stuff mm-hmm. like that. So this show, Kai, is aimed at entrepreneurs that are maybe five or maybe ten years behind us in the uh, in the in the whole scheme of things and uh, what i'd like you to do now is if you've got a piece of advice for you 
from maybe five or maybe ten years ago that might be listening to this show, what's that one thing you'd tell yourself? Yeah, so I think that's a tough one. Um, so I think really it's, it's tough because, you know, I feel like I'd had to learn a lot of those lessons along the way. Mm-hmm. Because and I had to make those mistakes and I, I had to do that to learn the kind of lessons I had now. Um, but I think, yeah, if I just tell myself one thing, just, just keep going, it gets better and just, just stay consistent, you know, every day. Um, one of the most impactful things I do now is just power blocking my time and being more mm-hmm. mindful of my schedule. So if I feel like I could have implemented that better then. Um, but yeah, I think really to say all this stuff works, mindset matters, you know, be consistent and it's going to pay off. You know, if you just keep doing the work, you're going to get results. It's not a matter of what or if it's just a matter of when. So just keep doing the work and keep your head up and it's going to pay off. Yeah. 60 days, 60 days knocking on doors straight. Mm. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, but now look, you see, worth it in the end, right? Yeah. No, amen. All right, my man. Well, where can the, uh, where can the audience find you online, Kai? Yeah, so I'm pretty much uh, either you just type in Kai Logue. Um, I'm on every social media platform. Or it's uh, the real Kai Logue. Um, you'll be able to find me, and yeah, love to connect. And any way I can provide you know value to your listeners or help out, I'm more than happy to. All right, man. Well, dude, I sincerely appreciate you taking the time to hang out with us on the show today, man. Thank you so much for being on. Hey, thanks for having me, man. I'm honored to be here. My friend, Kai Logue, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, guys, as always, if you've enjoyed this episode, do me a favor, run over to Kai's socials, show him a little love, uh, share the episode, tag us in the comments, and uh, you can find me online, of course, at Small Business Surgeon on all the platforms. All right, that's going to do it from me for today. You'll be good, stay safe, and I'll see you on Friday. the small business surgeon podcast if you've made it this far you clearly like it so go on itunes and leave us a five-star review this helps people find the show and spread the good word share with friends and follow us at small business surgeon on facebook and instagram thanks for tuning in and we'll see you for your follow-up next week the small business surgeon was recorded at texas media foundry in historic downtown Bryan, texas Check them out at txfoundry.com or on social media at TXFoundry. Thanks for tuning in.